When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Not sure why we always feel so compelled to go to that specific piece of audio. You're right, though. You're right about that. First of all, I'm the same way. You and I are on the same page. I feel that way about Tom Brady. I feel that way about Roger Federer. I was at the U.S. Open. (laughs) Federer. No, here's the thing about Roger Federer. He's one of the best players ever, if not the best. He's insanely handsome. And I was at the U.S. Open. And he did a press conference. I was covering it. And he answered questions, Joe, in four different languages during the press conference. Whatever language the person asked, he would respond in that language. And I said, that should be illegal. He should not be allowed to be that smart, handsome, and good. Also, he is extremely modest, which makes it even worse. Because if if he was arrogant, then it's like, all right, Federer, that prick, that Swiss prick, he's so arrogant. He's not. He's he is I knew a guy from Switzerland when I was living in the Bay Area. This is a long story. I'm just going to cut right to it. He, I was like, how big is Federer in your country? And he's like, well, huge. He's the biggest thing we've got. And I was like, everyone loves him. It's universal. He goes, the reason people love him is not the championships. He embodies Swiss modesty. He represents us the way we want to be represented on the global stage. And I was like, I, man, I, forget that guy. Yes. I'll give Let me see a flaw. All right, so I was – again, I mean, this is not our topic, but real quick, I was at Indian it's, it's Wells. now. I was at Indian Wells for, for, for the Indian Wells tennis tournament. I had to do my University of Kentucky basketball postgame show. This is like 2000 <laughs> – I'm not kidding you. This is 2012. So I set up – the players and the media shared a lounge. I had to sit up in the lounge and do the Kentucky-Missouri postgame show. I'm doing it, and Roger Federer walks in, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask Roger Federer to come on the Kentucky-Missouri postgame show. Joe, he did. He came on? He came on. (laughs) And I said, I know you didn't watch the game, but what do you think? And he just said, go Cats. They're great. And it was like the coolest thing in the world. Who does that but Roger Federer? See, and now he's probably a god in Kentucky as well. And we're (laughs) sitting here trying to figure out where his flaw. Somebody, if you're a private investigator out there and you could dig something up on Federer or Cooper, we'd greatly appreciate it here. He's Matt Jones. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app and SiriusXM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hard Knocks debuted last night after, oh, the drama of which team was going to have to subject themselves to a handful of cameras coming in and filming them playing football. We The long national nightmare is over. The Jets took the bullet and fell on the sword for all of us. And now the first episode's out. I'm going to be completely honest. I did not see it. I have not heard anything all that positive, but I also haven't heard anything all that negative. I heard Lee Schreiber, the... What, what is his official title in that in that series? I don't want to do him a disservice. Narrator, he's awesome. probably. Narrator. Narrator. Yeah. I heard he showed up. He broke the yeah, fourth wall and it. showed up. He was in it. Uh, I think Aaron Rod- I watched it. Aaron Rodgers called him the voice of, of God in it, I think is what he Beautiful said. Beautiful voice. I, I, he does have a great voice. I will tell you, I love that show, but it's this one was boring. 
and it's one episode, maybe it'll get better, but it was almost like a love letter to Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I like that show because of the personalities. Like Sauce Gardner's on it. I could have had a lot more of him. He seemed interesting. But most of it was just people going, oh, Aaron Rodgers is great, man. People don't think Aaron Rodgers is great. Aaron Rodgers is great. Then another person would go, no, he's greater than you think he is. He's great. He's even greater than that. And on some level, it was like, you know what? That I get it. That's plenty. I find Aaron Rodgers exhausting, so I'm probably biased about it. But I didn't <laughs> think it was the most. No, he's the worst. But I didn't. Th- I did think it was like it wasn't the best version of this show I've seen over the years. Does he have like an EP credit where he was behind the scenes handling? All he the had to. As well? No one would say that many nice things. There was one moment too. You know, there was that great speech with Dan Campbell last year. You remember when he was like quoting the Metallica lyric, and he was like. You stare into the abyss, and then the abyss stares into you, and you're just like, whoa, man, he seems awesome. Robert Sala clearly tried to have that moment. It doesn't do as well, though, when you're reading it off your phone. And it was something about (laughs) crows and an eagle, and I'm like, man, that story wasn't that hard. You could have memorized it, but otherwise, you know, it's worth watching, but there have been better versions. Always worth watching. I'm going to catch up on that. I got to get to work on the Johnny Manziel documentary now as that's well. Great. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I mean, this is why probably guys don't want to appear on this. Salah goes out and gives the speech, and if it doesn't go over well, we're on radio talking about how it didn't go over great, but so be it. At the end of the day, thank you for the access. People want to see this sort of thing, and we'll all move on. For the Jets, it's going to be a very, very interesting season. According to our stats and research here, the crack staff, there have been a total of 18 teams that have participated in the preseason version of the program. Eight of those teams have gone on to post winning records, while seven have made the playoffs. Keep in mind those numbers when you can say, oh, only eight of 18 have gone to the playoffs. You generally have a team coming off a bad season that's on the show. Because if you made the playoffs the year before, you don't need to appear on the show. That's one of the criteria. Teams that made the playoffs following a 10-year playoff drought since the 1970 merger. This is a team that the Jets fall into this category. There are 16 teams that have made the playoffs following a 10-year playoff drought since 1970. Of those 16, 10 lost immediately in the wild card. Five of the 16 went on to lose in the divisional round. Only one made the conference championship game. 2020, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who went on to win the Super Bowl, This is kind of that situation all over again. A bad team picking up a future Hall of Fame quarterback at the end of his career, ready to step in and take what could be a very good defense to the next level. Your outlook for the Jets this year, Aaron Rodgers' bias aside. And you know what? Not aside. Go ahead and use the bias. I'm good with (laughs) Uh, it. I think they won't be. Well, I think they'll probably finish like 10 and 7. Okay. And maybe win a playoff game and lose by 14 in the second round. Like, I think that's kind of where I see them. I think they will be better. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers by week seven will have used more words for someone who is not nearly as smart as he thinks he is (laughs) than anyone in the history (laughs) of football. Look, though he's immensely talented, he's going to have a lot of weapons, but I don't really see – okay, just take offense, put the defensive side. His offense, I mean, they're going to have a lot of the guys he had last year, right? Now, they do have Garrett Wilson, and that's a big uh, a positive. But I just think they're going to be better than, they, better than last season, but probably a fifth or sixth seed, and I just don't think it's going to be all that uh, meaningful. I mean, look at the schedule to open the season. 
Yeah, first hard. six weeks, and then they have the bye in week seven. Week one, you are going to host the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. Huge win for all of us here at this company. I would imagine we are going to be wall to well, no, not wall to wall Monday Night Football coverage on Monday because we're coming off Sunday. But Tuesday, we will be wall to wall Jets Bills coverage at this at this network. Week two, whether you win or lose, you're at Dallas. Week three, you host the Patriots. Week four, you host the Chiefs. Week five, you're in Denver playing at elevation against the Broncos. And then you come home in week six to take on the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles before the bye week. I mean, two and four looks like something that could happen there. Two and four. You come out four and two, though, the world's going to be going crazy. Uh, Maybe, but let's say you lose to uh, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Those are still the teams you have to beat. Like, I'm still not going to be all that excited about you. I mean, I I think – and the Bills – I'm going to – the Bills game will be fascinating. Here's what I think will happen. Jets will win that game. They'll beat the Bills. It'll be Aaron Rodgers' love fest. Then what's week two, did you say? At Dallas. They lose that one, and then all of a sudden it goes out. That's what's going to happen. They, they beat the Bills. They lose to Dallas, and that's the kind of year I think it's going to be uh, for the Jets. What a week that is going to be for Stephen A. Smith leading into Cowboys-Jets. I can just smell it now. Will he wear a tank top when he when he that, talks about it like he does on his podcast? Everything is on the table for that week. I would <laughs> okay, have to good. imagine everything's on the table. Caleb Williams, your defending Heisman Trophy winner, looking to become just the second two-time Heisman winner in history. Archie Griffin, of course, was the other for Ohio State in the 1970s. But why are the Rams and Cardinals his biggest fans this year? That's going to come up next. He's Matt Jones. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. All right, let's keep you updated on everything taking place in the college football world alongside Matt Jones. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Stanford and Cal are two of the most talked about programs in the country because that's where the ACC appears to be looking now that the Pac-12 has shrunk to the Pac-4. Everybody found a chair when the music stopped with the exception of Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State. Stanford head coach, first-year head coach, Troy Taylor, said the school intends to remain at the Power 5 level. Quote, I think the players that committed to us and came here, they want to play Power 5 football, and that is what our intention is with this university. He said that Tuesday evening. I can't imagine anything else. Now, here's our own Pete Thamel, ESPN College Football Insider on the 6 p.m. Sports Center, talking about the latest regarding the ACC and real life. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
I was told by multiple sources that they, they are live and they are in play, and ACC athletic directors are expected to meet in the near future, uh, perhaps as soon as tonight, to go over some more of the finances on what the deal could look like. Uh, for Cal and Stanford, uh, there's, a, there's sort of a ticking clock here. Let's remember, the four leftover Pac-12 schools don't even have a football schedule for next season. Those are usually done 10 years in advance. So I would expect the timeline, Christine, to look like something in the next week, two weeks, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, Definitely before the season kicks off, ACC presidents have to come together and and figure out whether it's fiscally viable going forward. Uh, Some of the aggrieved ACC schools aren't thrilled about the notion because it won't be significantly financially additive. Some of the entrenched ACC schools are a little more open to it, Christine, because they see two elite academic universities that can be linchpins of the league moving forward, potentially. So it's an interesting crossroads the ACC sits at right now, and Cal and Stanford are right in the thick of it. That's Pete Thamel, ESPN college football analyst, 6 p.m. Sports Center, with the latest on the ACC and their pursuit of Cal and Stanford. Matt Jones, your thoughts on this. Does it make sense to you that the ACC would go after these two Bay Area schools? Well, Pete Thamel knows more about it than I do for sure. I don't believe academics is going to matter because it's not mattered in any of this. If academics <laughs> mattered, if academics mattered, you wouldn't ask the kids at Pitt and Boston College that play tennis to fly to Cal and Stanford and play. Academics doesn't matter, so I don't believe that. I don't understand it. I really don't. I mean, okay, this is complicated and boring, but I also think it's true. Ten years ago, these decisions were made, Joe, based on cable, trying to get in cable homes in packages. It's why Rutgers is in the Big Ten. But now people don't have cable. They're, you know, they're disbanding cable and they're cutting the cord. So that doesn't matter. You've lived in San Francisco. You've said, and you can expand on this in a second, nobody cares about Stanford and Cal there. As far as brands, Stanford's a great sports brand, but football, it doesn't matter. And I I was sitting here trying to think the last time I watched a Cal football game. I don't know if I've ever watched a Cal football game. I I, I can't remember when that would have ever happened. If I'm the ACC, I don't get it. I think what Pete said, though, is probably the answer. There's some schools that think North Carolina, Virginia, Florida State, Clemson are going to leave. And they're thinking, what will the ACC look like after that? And they probably think something with Stanford and Cal is better than what would be left to pick from later on. I think that's probably what they're thinking. Yeah, to your first point on the Bay Area, I worked there for six years. I love college football. They don't care about it there. And that's not a knock because I know a lot of people get sensitive and say, hey, how could you say that about us? You got great food. You got great weather. There's a million things there going on that make the place wonderful. They just don't care about college football. I wanted to talk about it on air there. Everyone told me not to. It was a loser when it came to the ratings. And that would have proved true if I had ever been allowed to do it. I mean, the national (laughs) championship was held there in 2019 at Levi Stadium. Clemson and Alabama. First off, Dabo got off the plane. And at some point, he made a comment about how he didn't even know what part of California he was in. And on the day of the game, you could get into the upper bowl for like 27 bucks. The national championship game. That would never happen in Atlanta. It certainly wouldn't happen in New Orleans. So it's not something that moves the needle there. My thought on this has to be in conjunction with what you were just talking about. The ACC just saw what happened to the Pac-12 
They're nervous that they could get torn apart next. So why not grab what they can grab now? Try to build up a nice, solid base of teams, even if it doesn't make sense geographically, and say to everybody, look, we've got a bunch of schools here. We've got a lot to offer. It might not be perfect, but it's better than teams one by one leaving to the point where overnight four more jump and then the conference falls apart like the Pac-12. Yeah. First of all, you don't. You want to know why academics doesn't matter? Why's if that? it did, they wouldn't allow people like Dabo to go. I don't even know what state I'm in. <laughs> like, come on, Dabo. Like he, right. that whole that whole thing also is he's as exhausting as Aaron Rodgers. But I I do believe what you just said is correct. They're trying. Not, here's what you don't want to be: Pitt, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Louisville, et cetera. They're out there not wanting to be Washington State and Oregon State. Washington State and Oregon State are the biggest losers of all this. Yes. There's no major conference that wants them. There's nowhere for them to go. They're going to end up having to join the Mountain West and basically stop playing Power 5 football. There are probably teams in the ACC that see that in their future. They're like, "Uh uh-oh, Syracuse, Pitt, Boston College, you know, et cetera. That's what they're doing. Okay, well, Stanford and Cal, if everybody leaves, at least we can be together and do something. Chip Kelly, the head coach at UCLA, said this yesterday, and it got a lot of run on Twitter. Quote, Notre Dame is an independent in football, but they're in a conference for everything else. Why aren't we all independent for football? Take the 64 teams in Power 5 and make that one division. Take the 64 teams in the group of five, make that another division. We play for a championship. They play for a championship, and no one else gets affected. Our sport is different than everybody else. We only play once a week. Travel's not a big deal for football, but it is a big deal for other sports. That's Chip Kelly. He's right. Speaking what sounds somewhat wise in terms of how this whole thing could have been avoided or at least maybe be approached in the future. Rick Pitino said something very similar the other day. uh, And when Chip Kelly and Rick Pitino are making the good points, then you know people are making weird decisions. But they're right because football is different than everything else. It just is. They only play 12 times a year. They play on weekends. The negatives of all this stuff are going to be for every other athlete, not just basketball, but really your tennis, your baseball, your softball. That's where the problems are, and that's where they're screwing this up. I think Chip Kelly's right. Football is different than everything else. Everything else, even men's basketball, is kind of like the other sports. Football should be its own thing. Football travels once a week, maybe four or five times a year. That's it. I mean, that is all you're dealing with. Baseball teams are traveling multiple times a week, for crying out loud. All right, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. The ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Day Series has finally reached the big-ticket item. The Dallas Cowboys, are they finally going to meet expectations? Matt Jones, Joe Fortenball, this is Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation Two-A-Day. Time is here! On ESPN Radio. The Dallas Cowboys. Blue 58! Go! This is Todd Archer with the Cowboys. How quickly can Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott gel? For the first time in his career, Prescott will be running a different offense. For the first time since 2018, McCarthy will be calling plays. It's not like the Cowboys' offense was bad under Kellen Moore. It wasn't. But McCarthy wants to make it better and believes he's the right voice to be in Prescott's ear. The new offense has been dubbed the Texas Coast, a blend of what the Cowboys have done for years and McCarthy's West Coast scheme. Prescott and Moore developed a close bond over seven years as teammates, position coach, and ultimately coordinator. 
McCarthy used this offseason to get to know what Prescott wants and doesn't want. 2023 is a huge year for the Cowboys, the coach, and the quarterback. As they get to Oxnard, California, they know they have to get on the same page quickly. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The Dallas Cowboys and the 2023 NFL football season. Let's go to work. He's Matt Jones. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Let's run it down from Vegas' perspective. Cowboys 15-1 to to win the Super Bowl, plus 650 to win the NFC, plus 165 to win the NFC East. That makes them second in the division. Eagles, Cowboys, Big Blue, and the Commanders. Win total of 10, which means if you bet the over, you need the Cowboys to win 11 or more games. If you bet the under, you need them to win nine or fewer games. They are a sizable favorite to make the playoffs at a price of minus 210. 12-5 last year, get into the playoffs, but they didn't win the division because Philly had a remarkable regular season. So they go in as a wild card team. They thump Brady and the Buccaneers 31-14, to and then they go to San Francisco in an extremely physical showdown, lose to the Niners 19-12. to So here we go, Matt Jones. Why is this year, if at all, going to be any different than what we've seen the last few years from the Dallas Cowboys? Well, it's not. I mean, it's going to be <laughs> the exact same. Um, Next I like question. The, I like the uh, over 10 for the regular season because I think the NFC – uh, isn't great, and I look at their schedule, and I think you can easily get to 11. And I, 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 if as long as Dak's healthy, I think you definitely get to 10 and you at least push. Plus 650 for the conference, I could see myself doing, but only because they're in the NFC, okay? So, like, if they're in the AFC, I don't even know if they're making the playoffs. But in the NFC, why not, okay? If you think they – you tell me they're the second or third best team, you're telling me if they play the Eagles six times, they can't beat them once or twice? They can. So I, I don't mind plus 650 because I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I would not bet them to win the division. I do not think they're going to the Super Bowl, mind you. I mean, everything, every year the hype for the Cowboys is wrong. 
But I actually don't think the plus 650 bet to make the Super Bowl is a crazy bet if you actually like them. Do you feel that the Cowboys, Eagles, and Niners are on the top tier of NFC teams? Do you feel one of them might not be? Do you feel yeah. someone else could be up there? I put them – I think it's I think it's Niners, Eagles, Cowboys third. And then I think there's a whole group of teams that could be fourth, fifth, and sixth. You know, depending but that's on, like the next tier down, right? Yeah, so I think okay. there's, three, there's probably four tiers. But I think tier one – for me, is Eagles, Niners. Tier two is Cowboys, but the okay. gap isn't the gap isn't a huge gap from those two to the third one. And then there's probably a little bit more of a gap for a group that probably includes the Lions and then some surprise team. Maybe it's the Bears. Who knows? Who so you can pick whatever team you like. But I, I, I still I would not put them in the same group as the Eagles and the Niners. This Cowboys team is going to win a lot of games during the regular season, assuming they stay healthy. They'll figure out the Zach Martin situation on the offensive line. They'll be able to block. They'll be able to protect. They'll be able to run with Tony Pollard stepping in for Zeke Elliott. Fantasy football owners for two years have been trying to figure out why Pollard doesn't get more touches. He averages over five yards per carry. He's ready for the job. His legs are fresh. Plenty of weapons, a wide receiver defense is nasty under defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons. Who's one of the favorites to win defensive player of the year. That unit can play a couple question marks in the secondary, but ultimately you should find double digit wins. The big question for Dallas is the same question we've had the last few years with Mike McCarthy. Can Mike McCarthy out coach a good coach in the playoffs? McCarthy's been known for beating up on average to below average coaches during the regular season. He'll have a loaded team and he'll be able to get by these guys. But when McCarthy needs to be the better strategist, the better in-game manager, the better prep guy, the better film guy, he can't do it. He can't do it against the Kyle Shanahan's. He can't do it against the cream of the crop. And that's the problem with the McCarthy-Dak relationship. The quarterback has to be able to cover up the coach's deficiencies and the coach needs to be able to cover up the quarterback's deficiencies. In Kansas City, you don't have to worry about any of that. You have an all-time great head coach and an all-time great quarterback. With the Chargers, you do have a little bit of that because Herbert can only do so much to mask what Staley screws up on a regular basis. In Dallas, it feels like when you get to crunch time, Prescott can't bail out McCarthy and McCarthy can't bail out Prescott. And with Kellen Moore now calling the plays in LA for the Chargers and McCarthy calling the plays in Dallas, those two are going to be stacked against each other all year. If that Charger offense takes off and the Cowboys stumble, everyone's going to understand the reason why because the common denominator is Kellen Moore. So McCarthy's got a lot on his plate. But again, if there was a year to make noise in the NFC, this is it. It is a top-heavy conference. The Niners are going to go back to Brock Purdy. That could be dangerous. And the Eagles just lost the Super Bowl. And I don't know what it is about teams that lose the Super Bowl, but they tend to have a bad wake-up call the following year. Yeah, the Cowboys and Chargers play each other, too, during the regular season. So you oh, get what a that. game. Uh, they get the AFC East, which is not the easiest draw in the world that they could have gotten on the other side. Look, it's they are what they are. I don't understand, though. I will say, I do think the hatred of Mike McCarthy that people have, nobody has it more than your former partner and my current one, Meyer Metcalf. But <laughs> I, don't, I, I think it's overrated. I don't get it. Okay, so he's made a couple of decisions in the moment that are bad. But I think it's one of those things that, like, we all harp on a couple of them. Here's what I know. Almost every year he's been a coach, they've been really good in yep. whatever team he's in. 
And that's not something you can say for many other coaches in the league. So everybody just acts like he's a bumbling fool. And I've never really understood why that is. Okay, he makes an error at the end of the clock on a play clock or whatever. But there, but he's got him in that position. And so I just think the sort of McCarthy is an idiot talk is a little overrated to me. I will back that up, even though I've been quite critical of McCarthy. His regular season career coaching record, 155 97 and two he's won 61 percent of his games career in the postseason 11 and 10 he's won 52 percent of his postseason games he does have a super bowl win but you're right it's it's it, it perhaps he he's got a high profile job and people do see the run in green bay where he had aaron Rodgers all those years and then he moves to dallas and it's a relatively loaded lineup Perhaps he's been fortunate, but he has made – I mean, it's not as if he's completely flamed out with all the talent. We just mentioned the Chargers. Brandon Staley is not getting nearly enough out of the Chargers, given how much talent he has. You really don't has. like him, right? Like, I like just – I, it feels I like fall it, for the banana and the up. tailpipe with them every year. Every you, you, year. You have brought up the Chargers in the two-a-days about the Ravens and Everybody. the Cowboys. There's something there. We need to explore your Brandon Staley. Is, do you, is it because you think he's too good-looking? Like, why are you so angry at Brandon Staley? It's, it's, it's good for Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Wednesdays at 10 a.m. is the weekly therapy appointment. That's when I should sit down and say, doctor, I'm not going to out her name here, but I should say we got a whole new bag of problems today. We're going to put some of these things on the back burner. we got to talk about the Chargers. My co-host, Matt Jones, made a great point. I don't know what it is. I think I went to law school in San Diego. I had season tickets there when, when it was LaDainian Tomlinson and Low Neal. It was the last year of Drew Brees. I've always had a fondness for the team. I've always, I, like partying at Qualcomm was such a great tailgate. The weather was incredible. And they've just been stacked with talent for two decades, it, and they can never get anything done. And you watch them just you – bring, You bring them up a lot. And the Chargers are the team next to the Jaguars that I think about the least in humanity. I don't know a Chargers fan. If I were if I were to see a Chargers fan, I would like think I'm seeing a dodo bird. Like they don't exist in actual humanity. So it's just fascinating to me. It would be like somebody going, you know, the team I just cannot stop thinking about minnesota and i'd be like really <laughs> college minnesota like why do you care i kind of feel that way about you and the Chargers. i wonder who that is for my nfl team i mean i kind of feel like it might be the texans yeah, i feel like i just won, don't won. don't don't deal with the texans at all Chargers are a good one all right i'll explore that next wednesday 10 a.m doctor <laughs> i'm just gonna say dr x we got a whole new thing we're gonna have to work out all right joe and amber on espn radio presented by progressive insurance progressive makes bundling easy and affordable get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle rv boat atv and more all your protection in one place bundle and save at progressive.com what happens to a quarterback that doesn't watch a single minute of film he's matt jones i'm joe fornball that's next on espn radio and the espn app this is the joe and amber podcast Let's get to the bottom of whether or not I'm even allowed to do this. The eighth inning is over in the game between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Washington Nationals. A lot of you probably don't necessarily care about that. Phillies up 7-0. Way to go. Woohoo. I don't know if Trey Turner has any hits. I don't know if he's playing. I don't have that update. What I do have is this update. Philadelphia's starting pitcher tonight is Michael Lorenzen. He's got a 6-7 and seven record with a 3.48 ERA. He Former has pitched Red. all eight innings. He's got 111 pitches under his belt, and yes, he hasn't given up a single hit. There is a no-hitter in process 
in Philadelphia. We're going to the top of the ninth. Lorenzen's three outs away. He's got four strikeouts and four walks, so there's no perfect game on the table. I mean, as a radio host, you, you got to be allowed to, to say this, right? People need the update. You can't be held accountable for the jinx. The jinx applies to the teammates in the dugout who might be dumb enough to say something, right? First of all, yes, you're right. We have to say it. I love uh, I love Michael Lorenzen. Played for the Reds. He can hit. He's not. He's like Otani, but not good. But now he could get the no-hitter. <laughs> but that's not the only important update going on right now. I do want to note this. Michael Lorenzen could get a no-hitter. And RVD, yeah, that's right. Rob Van Dam is on my television wrestling again. And it's RVD? been a long time. RVD from the, the old ECW show. That's exactly right. He is wrestling uh, Jack Perry right now on television. So there's a lot of history happening right as we're on the air. Okay, that that's a bit of an aside. I don't know if we needed that update. But the Lorenzen update, we will stay locked here. You will have You're all the Philly Rob guy. Van Dam wrestling. You're and a Lorenzen. Philly guy. How can you I, not like RVD? He's, uh, he was comes from Philly. I'm going to be honest. I'm a bit – my mind's drifting a bit. I wasn't going to bring this up. I, I have a dinner after this. That's not a big deal. I'm just – I'm going to dinner. I'm going right down the street. I have it in my Google calendar, and my phone is here, and I keep getting these time-sensitive alerts that this reservation's coming up, and I haven't left the house yet. I didn't set alarms, and my computer is, like, all over my rear end about getting out and getting to this reservation, and it's I didn't sign up for this. The calendar is there – and you're supposed to remind me an hour before, like I said it. I don't need you to keep popping up and, like, getting on me about the fact that I haven't left yet. It's Las Vegas. People are casual here. I don't know what the, This is the technology we have. If they can do your, this to me. Your desire to change the subject from RVD makes me think he must play for the Chargers <laughs> with the way that you are wanting to change the RVD. subject from Rob Van Dam, but that's okay. I Listen, that was a perfect example of the whole white people problems that you're worried that you're getting too many notices yeah. for your dinner. I mean, come yeah, on. Right. It, it, in Kentucky, we just blow a whistle, and it's time to eat dinner, and you're sitting there getting all the notices. So <laughs> I think you need to calm down. And I just gave the big speech about what I did this summer in order to toughen myself up, and now I'm, like, crumbling at the notice of this time-sensitive dinner reservation that – no one cares about, including the restaurant. He's Matt Jones. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Johnny Manziel, old Johnny football back in the news, has a new documentary that just dropped on Netflix. I have not seen it yet. I don't know if you've seen it, Matt. I can't seen wait to watch it. it because Johnny football, man, when you talk college ball over the last, you know, this century, one of the most compelling characters that any of us dealt with. Uh, extraordinary to watch on the field, a personality as big as the state of Texas, took down Nick Saban, uh, was very difficult for opposing defensive coordinators to figure out. And then he goes 22nd overall to the Cleveland Browns. He does the famous money signs as he's walking across the stage. Everybody's like, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. And then predictably it was 14 career games, two and six record, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Have you seen the doc yet? Do you plan on watching it? Seen half of it. Think it's really interesting. Uh, it's it's like Johnny Manziel sort of was. You know what I mean? It's a it's a it's kind of a train wreck. But that's why you like it, right? Like that's what his whole thing is. You don't 
sort of watch Johnny Manziel for the talent. It was interesting. I had former Browns quarterback Tim Couch on my on my local show here today, and he was the Browns radio announcer during the Manziel era. And he was saying that, like, you could tell immediately when Menzel got to Cleveland that it was probably unlikely to work out for him. And if you watch the documentary, you see that. And it's kind of amazing how many of us, myself included, sort of bought into the Manziel hype because we were excited about it, but that the traits you need to be a good quarterback, he really never possessed. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to dive into it. You go back through the history of the last 20 years. I mean, some of Lorenzo these guys. just got the no-hitter, by the way. What kind of updates am I working on? It only says one out. So the Phil's got the no-hitter. Got the no-hitter. Michael Lorenzen. Known mostly for being a former Cincinnati Red, but has amazing immaculate hair. uh, Just threw a no-hitter for the Philadelphia Phillies. Just incredible. Nine innings worked against the Washington Nationals. Phils win 7-0. Aaron Nola's the ace, although rarely do you get an ace-like performance out of him. And then Michael Lorenzen steps up and delivers a no-hitter for the Fightins. Uh, let's take a look at the standings here. Where the heck are they? Are they? They're, they're second behind uh, they're the Braves. second I mean, place in the wild card. Yeah, they, 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 right now would be a wild card. Lorenzen, by the way, just got traded to the Phillies last week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was a great acquisition. He, he was on the Angels. I think they traded him for like one prospect, and he ends up in his second start for the Phillies getting a no-hitter. I mean, the Phillies are 11 games over 500, and they're 10 and a half back of Atlanta. That tells you everything you need to know about Atlanta. Like, how the hell can you be 11 games over 500 and 10 and a half back in your own division? I mean, is, what, this, there's a, the next worst second-place team, Tampa Bay two back, Cleveland four and a half, Astros two and a half, Cubs two, Giants five, Phillies ten and a half. I mean, are we just – are we in a world where the Braves are just going to win this thing again this year? Because baseball is all about just getting hot at the right time, which we saw yeah. last year with Philadelphia, who came up short against Houston. Yeah, that's the problem is that the best team doesn't always win in baseball. But, by the way, the Phillies, this is the 14th Phillies no-hitter of all time. You are a Phillies fan, so let me put it on you. How many uh, no-hitters? You said Cole Hamels had the last one, so that's cheating. Can you name another former Phillies no-hitter? If I'm not mistaken, I know Roy Halladay had one in the playoffs. Wasn't that a perfect game? Roy Halladay is correct. Is that just a no-hitter, though? That was a yes. It was a perfect game. Good call. Look perfect at you. game, Cardi. You know what? Come on, no, the that mic was a no hitter. Shaking your head. That was a no hitter in the postseason. That wasn't a. That wasn't a perfect game. It was a no hitter. I'd I'd bet an enormous amount of money on it. So it wasn't a perfect game and a no hitter. It was just a no hitter. Okay, all right. We don't have to get so angry. Well, Holiday threw a no hitter in Joe first postseason it. appearance. Yeah, it's all no hitters here. All, all right. right. So let me, uh, Cardi. I apologize ones. for getting on you about that. Uh, Kevin uh, like Millwood. Kevin Millwood. Do you remember Kevin him? Millwood? Yeah, I remember Millwood. Um, Tommy I want to Green, say, Tommy Green, Green, and Terry Mulholland. Every other one's like <laughs> 1970 or previous. Yeah, all those were what, like the 90s, right? Mulholland. That was that whole crew of guys, the the Dykstra and Dalton and former uh, Kentucky Senator Jim Bunning has a no hitter for the Phillies. He was a senator for the state of Kentucky and threw a no hitter for your Phillies. This is odd. You're usually not like the stats and information guy on the radio show. You're yeah, the guy with like the br- big commentary and the jokes. I have to raise my game with you. And I like here I like obscure names. Like for instance, in nineteen oh six, a no hitter was thrown by the Phillies by Johnny Lush. 
who was great. And in 1898, the legendary Red Donahue, Phil's great-great-grandfather, was also a no-hitter thrower as well. That's the thing about baseball. When people go back to like, oh, yeah, we saw that happen in 1908, I'm like, I don't even know how to process that. There are so many wars that have happened between then and now. That world was a completely different place. Baseball was completely different. I saw some picture of Babe Ruth the other day jumping off a diving board. Yeah. It's like, that's a baseball body? And yeah, well, you could pass for that in baseball, but... Please don't diminish the accomplishments of Johnny Lush on a radio show that I'm <laughs> co-hosting with you, okay? Johnny Lush. Uh, Johnny Football. We'll talk more about him in the future, hopefully. I got to watch that documentary. I'm sure it's fantastic. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they're coming up next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. He's Matt Jones. I'm Joe Fortenball. Thanks for checking us out this evening. We'll this has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.